The following podcast has been paid for by the middle-aged outlaws. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to episode, drumroll, 23 of the Middle-Aged Outlaws podcast. Adam, how did you enjoy your holiday? Uh, it, it was really good. It was nice, chilled out, relaxing, hot tub, massive spiders, all that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> these, are, these are two different things. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that thing where you, you take this really nice uh, idea of renting a little cottage that is literally smack bang in the middle of a farm. Um, but the, I'd say the positives outweighed the negatives. I, I, I could cope with a few spiders, but some of them were a bit bigger than I would usually get in my house, but all good, all good. Nice. I also spent a lot of time in the hot tub, although I probably spent a lot more time speaking to a seven-year-old in a hot tub than you, I hope. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I can confirm. That's, that's true. Excellent yeah. news. So we're... Um, what we should have been doing last week, I think, or maybe two weeks ago, was talking WCW uh, Slambury. Um, but we're going Maverick and are going to try and tie up May 1998 into one episode. So today we'll be discussing WCW Slambury and WWF Over the Edge 1998. Um, so where to start? What do you think? Should we... S- <laughs> I was going to say, should we start with start start finish on a high? It's very difficult. There's there's, um, there's there's good bits and bad bits to both. I would say. Would you would you agree with that? I would agree. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, I suppose in my mind it's easier to finish on a high if we go over the edge second. But okay, I, I don't know. It's not to say that there aren't lows in there as well. Well, I watched I watched WC I watched Slambury about two weeks ago now. So I've got a lot of good notes on that. I've got sort of jotted down things on Over the Edge, which I watched today. So for me, let's that uh, Slambury would work first for me. Cool. Um, so shall we do that? Let's do it. Okay, okay. So at this point in time in WCW, the NWO, which as we say every time we talk in WCW, is the main part of all their television. Um, the NWO, as we knew it, have split. We've got some members who have left. It's difficult to say that they've split because they've, they've not so much, there's no longer members of NWO like Savage, Nash, and Hall, and Dusty. Anyone else join? Is that Wolfpack? Yeah, I think that's Wolfpack. Um, yeah. They've kind of just said, we're still NWO and we want to be our version of the NWO. Um, so we're off to wear red instead of we'll wear black and red instead of black and white Um, and WC no sorry NWO Hollywood are your kind of original NWO as you knew it um, with all the jobbers and Hogan Um, yeah is Brett part of WCW Hollywood or is he just kind of like somebody that they say hi to when they're walking down the street yeah, I don't know if he's officially in uh, at at this point. Um, I think he's he's maybe affiliated with. Yeah, that's probably the best way to put it. Which is uh, just a 
a pathetic <laughs> position for him to be in. He's essentially been put in under Hulk Hogan um, as Hogan's lackey, which I hate, but yeah, I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, the big sort of thing, apart from the NWO uh, going around this time, we've still got Goldberg's streak on the go. He is United States champion at this point, isn't he? Yep. Um, and there's a sort of silly uh, thing going on with Eric Bischoff where he challenges Vince McMahon to a match at this pay-per-view. Um, and I think on the Thunder before it, he's saying, don't buy the pay-per-view thinking that you're going to get a match between Eric Bischoff <laughs> and Vince McMahon. So he's trying to cover his ass as far as not disappointing <laughs> the fans. Yeah. But at the same time, he's, he's saying, come on, come on the show, come and fight me in the ring. And they've always spoken about Bischoff as, as what, a black belt in karate or, or taekwondo or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's something like that, yeah. He's a ridiculous man. I think I think yeah. he's had one other match in WCW against legend Larry Zabisco, which he won, um, I think. So, yeah. yeah, he's looking to go 2-0. This, I, I don't really want to speak about this for very long because it really annoyed me. Just that the, yeah. It just takes up TV time. Yeah, I mean, it, it it goes not just through the pay-per-view, where there's a few segments, but it takes up TV time before, it takes TV time after. Everyone in their right mind who's trying to think about this from a business point of view knows that it's not going to happen. Why would Vince McMahon <laughs> give publicity, huge publicity, to his uh, direct opponent, his rival, by turning up on their show and... You know, we know it's not about a fight. It's just about had he been daft enough to do it, uh, how huge that would have been for WCW. I don't know. It, it comes across as, um, it almost comes across as a bit desperate mm -hmm. from the WCW side. And unless I've got my timeline wrong, they're winning at the time. Yep. So I, I don't know why they're doing I know that there had always been a mindset and they went against it a few times, but. WWF didn't or tried for as long as possible not to acknowledge the competition until they were trailing the competition. Um, when they were dominant, it's as if nothing else ever existed because why? Why would you mention it? Um, and it, it made them to me. It made them feel smaller, even though they're winning. It's just weird. Uh, I would equate it to the same thing as Sting standing in the middle of the ring and doing the DX suckets. I always find it really weird yeah. to acknowledge something that's on the other television channel. Mm -hmm. um, I get like the click guys doing it back and forth to each other, but other yeah. wrestlers doing that sort of stuff. But yeah, it, it does seem like, but at, at some point, I think it was probably when Bischoff became part of the NWO, I'm sure he's been told to do various things by various different wrestlers who've got creative control, but it does seem like he just sort of disappeared up his own ass. Uh, yeah. And, aye. It's just, like you say, it just takes up so much time between the pay-per-view, television time. You've got, we've spoke about the undercard in WCW and all those brilliant wrestlers, like, get, get some more of them pay-per-view, give them more, give them more time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Agreed. Yeah, it's, it's, one of the things I dislike most about this whole show and everything around it. Cool. Oof. 
Get, get the, can feel the blood pressure rising there, Adam. <laughs> uh, so we start off this match. I've got down here. This is for the TV title. Is that right? The uh, Fit Finlay Benoit. Yeah, fin- Finlay won the title from Booker T. Yeah, um, yeah. I think going into it, so Finlay Benoit must have been involved in Booker T losing the belt. Um, although I think it sounded like not intentionally, not directly. Um, so you've still got the Benoit and Booker uh, sort of shadow looming over this, but the 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 actual Finley's got the belt and Benoit must be number one contender at this stage. Which I don't know if I had to like look up to piece together a little bit. I think we've talked uh, about before on the pay per view shows. WCW isn't quite as good. As WWE was it in terms of just creating a little package to get you fully up to speed I with everything? I think unless Shivani tells you what's going on, then you kind of need to try and, like you say, do a bit of Sherlock Holmes. And I yeah. just remembered we were we weren't going to do what we normally do. We weren't going to jump uh, through every match. We we're just going to try and talk about positives and negatives, weren't we? Yeah. Okay. Just uh, with this being a slightly with two shows, that's that's maybe the best way to approach it. Cool. Okay. So. Okay, I'll, I'll sort of take that out of the equation. I don't suppose Benoit Fit Finlay was in there. Do you want to talk positives or negatives first? I think we should. About Bischoff. <laughs> so I've, I've already named what was one of my negatives, which was <laughs> Bischoff McMahon. Um, it's not a match, but it, it kind of put a cloud over the whole show for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, do, do you want to start with negatives if we've already done one? Go on then. Go on then. What, what, what other negatives take away for this? Okay, so we have uh, Bret Hart against Randy Savage in the main it's event. Straight for the jugular. Yeah. Um, and this, you know, this would have been like dream match. This is one of those matches that seeing them when they were in WWE, I, uh, I would have really liked to have seen them have a programme and all that. Um, fought, and once, I, fought once before on a Saturday night main event. Okay. I would have liked to have seen more of that. And, you know, for most of the time that uh, Savage was in-ring active, uh, before he sort of moved to the the commentator role, Bret Hart wasn't really at that level yet. So I can understand why there there wasn't a big programme with them. But I think we were probably both similar in seeing this as a match and thinking, oh, this could be exciting. But I quite quickly thought to myself, it's it's WCW in this era. It's not like they're going to just have a match. It's There has to be so much nonsense around it. But I don't want to, you know, hog too long talking about the match itself because there's some good moments, there's some irritating moments in it. But there's one thing that really annoyed me in it. (laughs) So you've got uh, Roddy Piper, who's the special guest referee. Um, (laughs) You've you've got um, a situation unfolds where there's been uh, brass brass knuckles um, and... Savage is taking them off Brett. Brett got them past him. Um, I can't remember who passed them to him, actually. I think they uh, just sort of appeared underneath one of the turnbuckles. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know if it was... I mean, Hogan was lurking round there. He may have been involved, but anyway. Moustacheless uh, Hogan. Yeah, I don't like that, but it's not yeah, one appeared. of my... It's not one of my most hated things on here, but anyway. (laughs) Um, Yeah, there's this whole back and forth with the brass knuckles because um, Savage has now got them, but Bret Hart has uh, got the sharpshooter on Savage. So you've got Savage in a situation where he is very clearly about to lose the match. 
He's in the sharpshooter. There's no real obvious way of how he could possibly get out. And then from that position, Piper notices the brass knucks on Savage and disqualifies him. Mm-hmm. Now, I've seen this kind of thing work plenty of times in the past, but usually it's the guy who's in the ascendancy in the match who's caught out by the fact he's got these knucks that he shouldn't have. <laughs> That's a good point. I never thought of this. So I just couldn't understand what the point of any of it was. Like, mm. I mean... They've got him in the sharpshooter and he's about to lose. Oh, wait, ring the bell disqualification because you're wearing those brass knucks. I just didn't see how it was a story that could go anywhere. He, um, he was actually, he's literally tapping. Mm-hmm. And he rings so, the bell. Yeah, he's, he's lost anyway. So it, it just, it probably annoyed me more than it should have. <laughs> and there's a few things about this match that didn't go the way I would ideally have liked it to. Like, you know, them just having a full match with a clean finish that would have been amazing but uh, yeah just uh, the finish it it irritated me quite a lot here's a question for you about the finish what was the point in Elizabeth coming out yeah I I don't know I don't know she ran out like she was running down the beach on the Baywatch (laughs) in slow motion Chandler and Joey sitting on their their seats enjoying (laughs) it and then she got in the ring and then got back out of the ring and, and then all that unfolded obviously and, and Hogan was there and that. I, I didn't really think of that, that that Savage was the one he was, like you said, he was about to, t- to tap out mm. and, and then Piper spots the brass knucks on his <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and suddenly that's, he's had enough now, that's it you're disqualified uh, that, yeah. that is a nonsense, but like you say it's what you expect eh? Yeah, I, I think you, you'd you'd mentioned a couple of times. Uh, I'm sorry if I was bringing you down, but I remember you being like, "Ah, oh, I'm really looking forward to this match." And I was like, "It's, it's not going to be, you know, if these guys had had this match in WWF years before, you could have really looked forward to just a proper match." But you, you know, deep down, that it's not going to happen. Ah, uh, okay. Are oh, you not going to be? Like, you're going. You're not going to like one of my positives then. Okay. <laughs> uh. Okay, let me let me think. A, a, a five minute and five second negative for me. Lex Luger defeats Brian Adams. Are you still there? Sorry, technical difficulties. Isn't it? Um, Lex Luger defeats Brian Adams in five minutes five seconds. Um, so after watching Finlay versus Benoit, and, I mean they got nearly fifteen minutes. Finlay and Benoit, which. I almost find that hard to enjoy just because Finley, Fit Finlay does my head. I know it, he annoys me. <laughs> but, like, it's Benoit and he puts on a good match and all that sort of stuff. Like, Lex Luger's went from being a horseman, from being WWF champion, I think he was WCW champion. He's, he's, no, he's not even good enough to be the curtain jerker for the pay-per-view. He's second on. He's fighting Brian Adams. It, again, it's just an absolute nonsense, just a waste. When you've, yeah, got, you've got all these things going on with, well, it's almost like WCW's been put to the side and it's just all NWO now. Like, we've had, yeah. we've had, like, Sting, Luger, the Giant, at points, obviously, now he's, he's with NWO again. I tell you, that guy's head must be, he must never know where he is. <laughs> um, yeah, well, like, I, it's not like I'm the biggest Luger fan in the world, but what a waste, is it not? Yeah, I, I've never been a, a big fan. I was surprised by how 
short the match was. Um, yeah, I, 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 I went into this knowing or thinking in my mind what kind of match it would be. I mean, Brian Adams, big guy, strong guy, Lex Luger, you know, that's kind of his thing as well. Um, and I, it made me wonder, was there a reason from one of them that maybe they couldn't? have a longer match you know sometimes guys are got an injury or something like that but there was nothing obvious or nothing mm-hmm. that came across um yeah see the fit finley thing <laughs> I, I i did some notes on this because before we sort of thought we'll go just you know things we really like things we disliked i had some notes and i started off fairly prolific and this was the first match um I, and the first thing in my notes is is fit finley a thing Question mark. I know he's been much respected as a trainer over the years and a steady hand, but he's carrying the TV title and he's beating Benoit in a pay-per-view. Um, so yeah, that, that seemed weird to me. There's something about Benoit, and I kind of remember the story behind it, but basically he's, he's on a really long losing streak at this point. He'd done something and was getting buried, and I can't remember why. Right, um, it wasn't the Kevin Sullivan Nancy thing, was it? No, I don't think so. I think this would be too early for that. Um, okay. The, the, oh. at, this, at this point in time, there's definitely something to do with Benoit, and he'd done, like I say, he'd done something, he was getting kind of buried, although they were keeping him on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it's weird, Finley. They, they were talking about, what was it, brain, brain set, sort of selling him as the super athlete, soccer, rugby, even European football is good at this. <laughs> what is European football? I don't know. Like I would have thought it was soccer, but I, don't... <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, this that there's. I didn't put anything here to talk about in terms of things I particularly liked to dislike. I did just. I just thought it was weird um, that there would be a match like this without Benoit going over. Mm. Um, and and the fact that like as we've been going through this, it just seems like they've been given Booker T this opportunity just to build this big sort of portfolio of people that he's beaten, and mm-hmm. then suddenly he's not he's not the champion, and his pay per view involvement is him walking up to the ring smiling and walking away again sort of thing. Yeah, that's very strange. So I think he's been I suppose TV title, but he's been on like every pay per view we've watched, mm-hmm. um, and. The, the crowd are with him, you know, they're they're enjoying his rise. So it, it seems, the whole thing seems an odd move. Uh, I don't know if we're edging close to the, the, the series between Benoit and Booker T. I think so, eh? Yeah. To, to, to become number one uh, contender to, to that title again. Okay. Okay, hit me with our... It sounds and, terrible saying hit me with a negative. <laughs> With something you didn't enjoy so much. <laughs> Are we going to talk the main event, I take it? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I thought best to save that, but okay. yeah. No, you're right. Um, I, th- there are elements of this that I didn't dislike um, because I was slightly intrigued by the Scott Hall thing. You know, So you've got Kevin Nash and Scott Hall who are tag champs here. There's been the split in the NWO. I think going into this, there's there's maybe hints and uh, suggestion that there there could be issues between them. Mm. But I always thought of them as 
those two are together, kind of no matter what. Yeah. Um, they came in together. Everyone knows, maybe, I don't know in this area, but, uh, era, but probably to an extent, everyone knows that they're, they're together uh, as good friends outside of wrestling as well. Um, and I was wondering how I would feel when I watched this, thinking they're, they're going to split, because I, somewhere in the back of my mind I remembered it, and I was like, there is a split. Hall betrays um, Nash. And I, did, I wasn't sure what I would think of it when it was done. Um, so we've got the the match as it unfolds, and then uh, the whole sort of moment involves uh, Dusty as well. So you've got Dusty, he places the tag belt on the apron. Uh, you've got, is it Hall? Yeah. Nash, is is he down in the ring? Yeah, yeah. both men are yeah, down yeah, in the ring. Yeah, and then Dusty's just acting a wee bit shifty, um, and then we've got Dusty distracting the ref, uh, Nash setting up the giant for a jackknife powerbomb. I thought, was, I thought he was going to do it, by the way, in this match. Did you? <laughs> yeah, that, that probably would have gone immediately to the top of my dislike situation, because <laughs> I just never want to see that again. Um, but yeah, and and when it happened, so you, Hall basically betrays um, Nash, uh, kills him with the title belt Dusty's in on it Nash is very much cut off here on his own and knowing in my head that it would happen I was thinking this might work and this might grab me in some way but I kind of didn't buy it um, and I think because I always associated the bond between the two of them mm-hmm. to be so strong and the whole while I was thinking why would Paul go the other way and since, what- since that you got worked brother well, we've already had a situation where Hogan is perceived to have held Hall down yep. and held him back and denied him a title opportunity, which he had earned. So why would he now side and go with Hogan? And I just couldn't, as I say, I went into it thinking it was about to happen, fairly open-minded about this might be good and it might work. And I was just left really flat with it. Hmm. Wasn't sure what you thought of it. I hated it. I just thought, it's just, it's like, I think Bruce Pritchard might have been secretly booking WCW at this point because it's swerve for swerve's sake. Like I, I said to you, it's, uh, these pay-per-views are like an M. Night Shyamalan film. <laughs> there's decent bits in them and, you know, like, there's good storyline going on, but at the end, there's just always a shitty uh, swerve at the end. There's a silly twist at the end. Every single time, it's almost like if they if they go for a straight finish, everybody would be like, "What? <laughs> What's just happened?" Yeah, Do you know that I mean? by this stage, that would have been that, the ultimate, the ultimate swerve. swerve. Exactly. <laughs> Come on, who's booking it? Is it Kevin Sullivan that's booking? It? Yeah, I think there was like a committee for most of it. Mm, uh, I, I don't think. I don't think for off for long in this era he was booking on his own, um, and I'm sure at a point I heard he was like assistant booker to Nash for a while but mm, might late, not have been on. yeah yeah uh, but I, I, from what I hear on various podcasts and things like that I think there's like three or four of them um, and that maybe muddies the waters mm. a bit and then you have to run everything by all those with creative control as well exactly uh, I'm sure Hogan's got his fingerprints over mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff going on yeah I didn't like it 
I, I don't like the giant moving over NWO before the pay-per-view. Him and Sting are supposed to be not friends, but they're supposed to be a sort of WCW team against NWO. You've mm-hmm. got NWO heels that are getting over with the crowd, so they're kind of they're kind of faces. It's it's just one big cooking pot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Hall turning on Nash is just nonsense. What is Dusty Rhodes even doing here? We go in Hollywood, baby. <laughs> it's just he always seemed a really weird fit because, like, Mr. I, I, WCW. Got, I got the turn initially because it was so shocking, and you're like, no, no, that that is like you say, it's Mr. WCW. But then that's it, kind of gone after the initial oh, and to align him with Hall and Nash seemed weird as well to me because um, he he was he always seemed to be out with them for their matches and not really having a defined role or purpose out there with them. So I think, I don't know if this is necessarily why they did it, but Nash and Rhodes were basically working as the outsiders on dark matches and uh, what you call it, house shows and stuff like that. Um, because Hall was out um, and had been out and, and I think that was their plan, was to use Dusty in, in the tag team with Nash if, if Hall mm-hmm. was, wasn't going to make it. Um, which would have been something to see. Yeah. Um, but I, I liked Sting's reaction. He, he seemed to keep it going for ages as well. Yeah. He's just uh, looking in disbelief. <laughs> you have to question if he even knew what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, he's he just might. stood there looking. Yeah, he might not have. Um, maybe they wanted that sort of gen- genuine reaction. But yeah, it's just a bit of a shit show. Mm-hmm. Should we talk? Positives? Or we okay. I, I am thinking we might have one that ties in just based on I what am. you said earlier. Okay, go for it. So, what I have, I have the same match in both negatives and positives, mm-hmm. which is a strange situation to be in. So do I. But there was a chunk of the uh, Savage Bret Hart match that I, I enjoyed. Um, and I think I was still a little bit background irritated by the inevitable and the finish. <laughs> and also a little bit by Roddy Piper being involved. I didn't oh, think that was necessary. But yeah, um, but actually just the, the in-ring interaction between the two, I quite enjoyed. And I was getting into before it all turned into a bit of a shit show. To me, it, it reminded me a little bit of Brian Austin's WrestleMania 13 match. Um, mm. Simply just because they were in the ring. It was a brawl. They were mm-hmm. through the crowd. They were back and forward. Um, they were both acting quite heelish, and that's what you're going to get, certainly for Savage. And Brett at this point is like almost over the top, acting like a heel, shouting at the crowd, taking his time. Yeah, uh, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, but just if you just chop off the finish <laughs> and have a have a different way to finish it, then I I wouldn't yeah. have an issue with it. Uh, I really liked it. I like Brett working on the knee. Savage is still selling it, but he still, you know, he gets back into it, hits a big elbow, all that. I thought it was great. Yeah, there's there's something very, that kind of role for Savage is, is so good in because he is between heel and babyface and some of the crowd have warmed him, some of them hate him. He's acting heel most of the time um, and it, it just kind of works. And like you say, this Bret Hart isn't, 
the the baby face that was in WWF for so long. It's it's a more uh, there, there's there's more shades shades of grey in the character, mm-hmm. uh, which is more interesting. Um, so yeah, I, I think it annoyed me more the fact that they did ruin it um, as it went towards its finish because imagine that had just been a match with it. I'm not even saying it has to be a clean finish, but just like a logical finish between <laughs> the two rather than involving all the, you know, so one of them could have just cheated to win or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know that you've got another match and a reason to have another match, but they had to overbook it and all that. Like even just if Hogan, Hogan obviously wants his pay-per-view money, so he has to appear for 10 seconds. <laughs> even have him screw Savage in some way. I don't know. Elizabeth comes down, tries to get in the ring for whatever reason. That um, distracts Piper. Hogan climbs in, hits him. Bret Hart sticks him in the sharpshooter. That's it. Yeah. Uh, it's easy to say, isn't it? But yeah. Um, what do you think of the Bowery death match between DDP and Raven? It didn't really do it for me. It it was just a bit of a a mess. Uh, me um, I, I wasn't. There are two performers that I really like, um, but having watched a couple of matches with them already, it was never really clicking for me, um, and it didn't here either. And it's it's a bit disappointing because it's it's one of the, I think the first time we looked ahead at a card and I saw those two were facing each other, I thought to myself, yeah, I can, I can get into that. That'll that'll be fun. But it's just never quite worked for me. It's like somebody took a look at the hardcore thing and said, let's turn that up to 11. <laughs> yeah. Spinal tap style. It's just so over the top. I, yeah. I think I, th- I'm, I felt the same as you. Do you know what really put me off? This probably makes me sound like an old fart. <laughs> like DDP, the baby face in this match, tries to hang Raven yeah. <laughs> with a with a bell cow. Is that what you call it? A bell cow rope? Yeah. He tries um, to hang him for the top. It's kind of like a would you just? It's kind of like a baby hell in a cell. Yeah, the thing that they're in, and it did actually try and make me think. When was it the uh, Undertaker hung Bossman? But that was after this. So. <laughs> it was. Uh, they must so have seen this. Uh. I think. Yeah, Vince, Vince, and Pritchard are watching this, thinking, "Yep, let's let's go for one of those." Ah, <laughs> uh, that really took me off. Is this? I know where you said said the phrase a lot of shades of grey, but. WCW was less that at this time. It was more WWF that was more that. Yeah. I didn't love it. Yeah. What did you love? I'll tell you a few things I enjoyed here because there were some. I uh, I am still really enjoying the Chavo and Eddie story. Um, And what we've got is we're starting to see Chavo almost against his own will kind of turn a bit towards Eddie's way. Um, and yeah, there's, there's a match. Eddie's, uh, it's actually Eddie and Ultimo Dragon that, that have the match here. And Chavo's. Chavo for Ultimo Dragon, the previous pay per view, didn't he? Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, so Chavo's there. Eddie has been, you know, continuing with his trying to get Chavo to take advantage of people when they're looking vulnerable and weak and all that. And right up until this point, Chavo's always resisted. Um, and so what we've, what we've got here is Ultimo Dragon is fighting for Chavo's freedom from Eddie. So if Ultimo Dragon wins the match, 
uh, Chavo no longer has to be Eddie's lackey or whatever exact role he's in <laughs> at the moment. Is it, sorry, um, sorry, I do it up. Isn't it weird that on both pay per views there's someone fighting for their freedom? Yeah, yeah, there sorry. is. Sorry, go and neither of them work out very well. But anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we've got. Um, Eddie Eddie wins the match with one of his delightful frog splashes um, and then uh, Chavo comes in the ring he's looking angry and you're assuming his anger's towards Eddie but he turns on Ultimo Dragon and attacks him and you've got Eddie actually like restraining Chavo mm. uh, Chavo slapping Eddie um, and Eddie then offers Chavo a, a free hit basically like come on punch me Chavo won't do it looks incredibly frustrated and then ends up kissing Eddie on the cheek and then they, they, they leave and it's just like the the, the story I, I can make sense of it because Chavo's frustration with Ultimo Dragon for not winning Chavo's freedom but then the way he reacted uh, and the aftermath is all very Eddie um, so I just I, I, I like the, the sort of arc the story's uh, going on it, it's one of the more interesting things for me on the product at, at this time yeah, me too. I thought um, Dragon and and Eddie had really good chemistry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that. I like that actual match, um, but the storyline sort of overtakes the match, like you say. I liked it as well. I, I think we were both sort of invested, and in, I I didn't see it going the way that it went. As far as mm-hmm. I thought, Chavo would maybe continue on the straight and narrow. I I didn't see uh, Ultimo Dragon winning and. And winning them his freedom, but I, didn't, yeah. I also didn't see Chavo sort of succumbing to the the darkness, so to speak. Yeah, um, I'm interested to see where it goes as well. Yeah, because it's not a. I remembered the story in terms of this happened, uh, but I don't remember anything about where it goes, how it comes to an end, or or anything like that. I mean, I suppose the logic is they end up having a match, but how far away that could be. Um, yeah, uh, and the fact that it's not just been as straightforward as they've been totally opposing all the way. There are just these few moments um, that that you see from Chavo. So yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I can tell you that they have a match at the next pay per view. Okay, the Great American Bash. So okay. things must escalate okay. to, to a point. At least that's something to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> um, any other things you want to mention we're, we're, probably, we're going to talk Jericho I'm guessing Yeah, um, probably the best thing on the card yeah if you'd explained this angle to me I don't know if I would have bought in um, <laughs> I've never really been a huge Dean Malenko guy and I know he's technically very good and much respected and all that but he never like I, I needed him to be in there with somebody that I found uh, interesting in some way uh, for, yeah. for it to work. Um, but yeah, they've, they've, they've got this story that we, we haven't seen Dean Malenko for, for a while. Um, I mean, Gene. Yeah, after, after being cool. berated and called a loser and all that. And, uh, he, he's, he's not been there. He's been mocked a few times by Jericho who, as, you know, sitting at home and all that. Um, so we've got a, a battle royal, cruiserweight battle royal for the number one contender, uh, for Jericho's cruiserweight title. And the match for the title is going to take place straight after the, the battle royal. Um, I didn't, there, there were a lot of uh, participants I didn't, no, 
Uh, I didn't recognise. You didn't yeah. know Johnny Swinger? Uh, I'm, a, I'm a afraid Damien not. 666. Uh, 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 I did know Marty Jannetty. <laughs> um, we've got a few that, you know, it's it's basically like people who Jericho is in some way wronged over the last uh, <laughs> few months. So you've got you've got people like Juventud Guerrera and just watching this without really knowing what's coming or what's going on, um, I was thinking, oh, he, he could win. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been one of the more prominent challengers. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're, you're watching and there's a lot going on. It's, it's a bit much a cruiserweight battle royal at times. There's yeah. a hell of a lot going on in the ring. Um, I think they actually Mexicans getting thrown at the ring. Yeah, I think they actually mentioned at a point you don't have to go over the ropes if you basically leave the ring and your feet hit the floor, you're eliminated. And I think it um, says you could um, eliminate someone by pinfall as well. Yeah, I think they did. I think you're right. Um, so yeah, it, we've uh, we've had uh, Juventud Guerrera come out. He had, he got a good crowd reaction as well. I thought. Um, I like so Jericho I, still harping on him being really ugly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's hideous. Um, we've got a, like a, a big, you know, the, as I say, just a hell of a lot going on. Poor Marty Jannetty gets eliminated. Uh, final four I've got as being Kidman, Psychosis, Juventud and Cyclope. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I am thinking, I, I know who three of these guys are. I don't really know this uh, Cyclope guy. Um We've got Kidman and Psychosis getting eliminated, so the final two are uh, Juventud and Cyclope. Um, and then the, 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 it's like they're they're speaking to each other in the ring, and there's a handshake. And then Juventud eliminates himself, jumps over the top rope, down to the floor. I, st- I, I didn't actually know what was going on here. No, me neither. I, I, I'm just watching thinking, this is, this is weird. They, I think that the announcers kind of initially play it off as respect between the two when they're doing their handshake, but then everyone's a bit confused when, uh, when Juventud eliminates himself. Um, so by this point, we've got Jericho, like right there, ready <laughs> to defend his belt. He's, he's, he's right behind and, uh, Cyclope is taking off his mask. And under the mask, it's Dean Malenko. Um, Jericho does a really good job of selling how stunned over the top he looks by, by this development. Um, but he's got to defend his cruiserweight title now against Dean Malenko. Uh, he's won the number one contender. I have written in my notes the last time we saw Dean Malenko, he was getting his ass chewed by Mean Gene. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it takes us to a match. It's, it must be a really quick match. Um, they, they really, you know, I think what they're doing here, cause I don't think this is any attempt to bury Jericho. I think he, they're, they're playing it as he's so stunned and he did not see this coming at all that, um, he's shocked and underprepared for Malenko and all that. So. And Mal- Malenko is super fired up. Yeah. And the crowd are going with it as well. The crowd are going absolutely mental. It's probably the best uh, crowd reaction in the whole thing. Yeah. Um, it, it definitely was. And, He's, he's so aggressive, fast paced and all that. It takes a wee while before Jericho gets any offense in mm-hmm. at all. Um, and then we've got a, <laughs> there's a bit, a point where Jericho does a big suplex on Malenko and he's shouting to the crowd, this is a conspiracy, <laughs> which I quite liked. Um, we've got a, a Jericho with a lion salt, Malenko kicking out and Jericho, which he, I always think he did this really well in his, his younger career, the frustration when it builds in him, when he can't put someone away. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we've got him going for the lion tamer, but Malenko counters. Um, and then uh, there's a it puts them into I think what they, they called it was a fireman's carry into a gut buster. Yeah, from the top turnbuckle, ah, which yeah, it looked great that move. Um, I was wondering when I saw it if Malenko had genuinely hurt his knee doing it because he. He, he looked a little bit lame on, the, on one of the, one of his legs. He then uh, locks in a Texas clover leaf. Um, the the crowd are absolutely loving this still at this point. I, I don't think they really settled down at any point in the match. Um, Jericho trying to get to the ropes, but Malenko pulls him into the middle of the ring, and Jericho's got nowhere to go. He taps. Malenko wins by submission. Um, I think that they mentioned something about it. He lost his dad quite mm-hmm. recently, so they've got him. Dedicating the win to his dad, um, and then oh, the nerve of Mean Gene. He 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 just comes out for an interview, almost like nothing happened. There's a little apology in there, but um, yeah, we've got uh, Malenko for forgiving Mean Gene for running him down the the last time, um, and yeah, we've got a, a new champion. And for me, I think the you know from. The uh, Battle Royale, which was a bit messy at times, but, you know, the end stages in through this, I thought it was the best thing on the show. Uh, I totally agree. This is really weird. Like, this is easily the best I've ever seen Malenko from mm-hmm. the sort of fired up way that he's wrestling. Obviously, they've given him a really good angle to work with. Um, is it weird to think that I think he looks better in a pumpkin outfit than he does just in his <laughs> normal wrestling gear? <laughs> yeah, that's weird. But I know where you're coming from. I don't know what it is. I, I think it just, I think it just really magnifies how small he is when he's just wearing mm. pants, if that's what you want to call them. <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll see if he's wrestling in his pumpkin outfit the next night. Yeah, yeah. I um, think um, Cyclope. I'm just looking on Wikipedia. Apparently, he went as he went by the name Halloween, uh, in on the independent circuit in Mexico. So that would explain why he was dressed like that. Okay. I wonder what happened to the. The original Cyclope. Yeah, I wonder. Would, would you be quite screwed? Yeah, would you be quite pissed off with that? I imagine they had to get permission to do it. But yeah, um, I, I think I'd agree. I, I, I never, I never minded Malenko. And you know when they they came across as the uh, the radicals, mm-hmm. and he's just part of a group, and that's fine. I, I could, I could take that. Um, and like I say, very well respected technical worker, but you never saw an awful lot of personality from him. Aye. But that there was some came across here, and it, it it made me just wonder: could he have done more? Could they have done more with him and all that? Because I'm not sure what happens next. I, I imagine there's a rematch and things like that, but I don't think we ever saw him like that again, even just to the extent of seeming so fired up and things Aye. like that. Like invested in in a, in a storyline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Best that's that was definitely the best thing on the card. Um, is there anything else you want to mention about WCW before we jump over? Um, I thought the it wasn't to me. It wasn't worth worthy of putting in, you know, best things or anything like that. But I thought they again did a good job with where they are with Goldberg. Mm-hmm. Um, he's working with Perry Saturn defending his uh, his US title. Um, they, they've. It, they're no longer just squash matches. I think they've moved him a little bit beyond that, but he's still coming across as a, a pretty dominant monster, even if um, 
he's taken a good bit more punishment in a match. Uh, in this match, Perry Saturn had a lot of early offence and you've got uh, Goldberg kind of dealing with it all, powering out and then going on to get the, the sort of dominant win. And if you're building someone slowly, there has to get to a point where it's not squash matches every time. Yeah. Um, and I think they've... You know, they must have had trust in, in Saturn to, to have a good match with him and things like that. But, uh, it, it does make me, even though we know what's going to happen in terms of where he'll go and where he'll get to fairly quickly, it does make me, th- he's always something to keep an eye on. And it feels like that in the show that he is the, the next big thing. Um, even if that was supposed to be Brock Lesnar's thing, they, they couldn't be positioning him more as that. Um, but I think they're trying to get a little bit more out of him in in matches before he gets to the you know working with the very top guys. Yep. Yep. I I think we've spoken about this before, but it just feels like they're doing a good job with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree that like Saturn works quite a good match with him. It's nothing to write home about, but that's all right. Cool. Right. We'll head over the other side where we. We turn everything on its head. In WCW, we have the good undercard and sometimes dodgy main events. With WWF, it's all about, for me, certainly this pay-per-view over the edge 98, was all about the main event. It's all about yeah. Austin, McMahon, Dude Love. We've got the continued storyline uh, where McMahon's sort of picked Dude Love to be his, his corporate champion. Um, and to take the belt back off of this beer-swilling, hell-raising Stone Cold Steve Austin who throws the middle fingers and <laughs> basically disrespects Vince at, at, at any sort of time he can. Um, for the main event, we've got Austin against Dude Love with Vince as the guest referee. We've also got Pat Patterson, who I think they said was going to be the bell ringer, but he turned out, turned out to be the guest Ring announcer, ring announcer yeah. or, or was it was it um, Briscoe, Briscoe is the bell ringer? I oh, think. Is it key? Yeah, so they're they're just stacking it that there's as many people against Austin there as possible. No problem, Mister McMine. <laughs> right, oh, it's infuriating. Let's <laughs> like, obviously let's leave the main event to end because it's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Um, what's what sort of I don't know what are you disappointed by this, or what, what what did you find difficult to get through? There there are a few things, and some of them are a bit similar. But I'll I'll start with um, Mark Merrow uh, and the whole Sable story that he's in here. Um, so just for for, for the storyline point of view, um, basically that Mark Merrow challenged Sable to come up with an opponent for this pay per view that would go up against him and fight for Sable's freedom, like we talked about in the WCW show. So basically, she will be free from Mark Merrow if um, if her her charge wins the match. Um, it's a bit of a ridiculous story. You know, you would think she could just walk away, but that's, that's fine. <laughs> um, but it's more the fact that... Basically, we, we go through it and they portray this um, as Sable is going to come out and fight for herself. She's not going to get somebody else to do it. She's going to fight the match. So it's her against her, I think at the time, real life husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we get this promo in ring from Mark Merrow uh, saying that 
you know, if he'd realised she hated him this much, he he, he would have just uh, walked away or let her go or whatever. Um, and he, he he plays it that he's, you know, he's coming across as a bit human here. He's going to lay down. He's going to let her uh, pin him and let her walk. So <laughs> he, he lays down. She goes for the cover. Uh, that dastardly Mark Merrill rolls her up into a counter cover. One, two, three. Mero wins the match. Sable is stuck with... No, she's being fired, isn't she? Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry. She's being fired if uh, her charge didn't win. So obviously she was fighting for herself, so she's being fired. There's so many bits that I didn't like about this, but I'll just talk through a few things. <laughs> so the, the ridiculousness of the story I can actually deal with. That's fine. Um, I get that Vince sees the money in Sable, you know, he, he, he's he's looked, he's thought we have to get her on TV. She is the star of this pairing. But where the hell does Mark Merrill go from here? He's, he's like... That's a big win against one of their most over stars. What are you talking about? <laughs> he's, he's hated by the crowd, but not in a way that's going to push him up the card. He's just hated by the crowd in a, you're a right dick to your wife kind of way. <laughs> he's... Um, I, I just he's won the match, but I just feel like, from a character point of view, he's kind of being buried. Um, so that's one thing, and yeah, it's a heel move, and I get it. It's just not like good heel work in terms of it getting you anywhere. Mm. Um, so unless they, you know, I can't remember where this goes. They maybe do do this briefly, align Sable with somebody who's gonna go up against Mark Mero. Um, but I, I just don't see where you go. So that was one thing. The other thing, of all the people in the company that I would have thought would have been absolutely devastated to see Sable go, (laughs) Jerry Lawler is celebrating this like it's his personal victory. He's like chanting goodbye and stuff like that. Jerry Lawler is a guy who made a career out of celebrating some of the assets that Sable has. Mm -hmm. And I found that very strange. Me too. Um... I thought he was yeah. going to say something like, hate to see you leave, but I love to watch you go type of thing. But he doesn't. He's just all, he's just all celebrating. It's really weird. So th- this whole thing wasn't for me. Um, I just didn't feel like it got anyone anywhere. Um, and I know they're going to bring her back. They'll bring her back in absolutely no time. I have a feeling it might be as she's like a Vince McMahon sure. decision or something. I'm sure she's on the video cover because I used to have it, King of the Ring '98. I'm sure she's on the video cover for it. So yeah, I, I think she gets brought back as like Vince's PA or something like that. Oh my god! Uh, of course she does. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that that it just did nothing for me, and it took up like a lot of time not the match itself but everything around it Mm -hmm. and I'm just thinking what is the point just you know split them quickly and move on I I wrote it like after he rolled her up I've got written down my notes what all the nonsense and then he starts singing na 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 (laughs) and I was like oh this is quite good actually (laughs) (laughs) did anyone chant along apart from uh, Lawler no I don't think so I actually think, I've said this before, I think he's pretty charismatic, Mark Merrow. I think he's got potential to be a good character. No, this character. Yeah. I, think he, I know the whole backstory about, what was his name again? I always say Little Richard, but it's not. John, Johnny B. Bad or Johnny something B. Bad, like that. Uh, yeah. 
and that that's, that's who McMahon, yeah and he couldn't use the character for legal reasons um yeah uh, I, I remember i think he he had he'd had a program with triple h hadn't he and yes you would have thought that might have been quite a good program but i don't know that he ever went anywhere and then he's been trapped in this gold dust nonsense for mm-hmm. a while and i don't think that really helped him either they should make him king of the ring adam king well, Nero. well i guess we'll find out <laughs> well in a, in a few weeks um I've got a couple of things on this in addition that I didn't like. And what, I, still on Mero and Sable? No, no. Oh, right, I, all right. I, I've I've moved on emotionally. <laughs> um, you know, you said this is this is basically a main event card, and it is. You mm-hmm. know, the the rest of it's just kind of there. A lot of it. I don't know why it, LOD two thousand are are being pushed as a thing. It it, it feels. So far, like their their days been and gone to me. To to think that they're saying, JR mentions it multiple times that the LOD two thousand will probably now be the number one contenders to the. <laughs> I'm thinking we're going round in a circle here. We're going back in time. Please, I didn't want to see another LOD versus middle age, uh, middle age new age outlaws. <laughs> Please, no. Yeah, I that mean, this is horrible. Yeah, it's terrible, and I I don't. I know in their earlier years they would have been able to do more, but I don't think they were ever a team that had great matches. You know, they were basically like tag team squash matches, most of what they did. But you put them in there with another group of big guys who aren't really good workers, and it's just tough to watch. They could have made this a 3v3 match, and I don't know if they would. You know, draws is there for a reason. I don't Mm -hmm. know what that reason is, but if they want to... To stick him in and and show that they've got a bit of muscle with them and make it a three on three or something like that. It was a weird yeah. match. Yeah. Abel completely screwed up the finish because he's like standing yeah. waiting for ages for draws to get on the apron to hit him. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah, I, I just I don't need to see LOD two thousand on a card again. Um, and I know. I don't know if they already had storyline thought of draws and, you know, creating a bit of a wedge between Animal and Hawk and all that, or if it was just the case that maybe one of those guys couldn't work too regularly. I know that they're both probably pretty beat up and mm. there's been, I think Animal's had history of back problems, Hawk's had some issues and things like that. Maybe they just wanted an additional guy as like a plug-in whenever needed. Yeah. Um, and I get that, but I, I, I just it does nothing for me seeing them there. Um, there Especially has to be, kick off the pay per view as well. Yeah, you want to start hot. You want to get people going, and it also feels like a bit of a waste of Sunny, who's still pretty over. Mm-hmm. You know, the crowd still pop for Sunny, um, but she's just kind of there, attached to this old team. <laughs> um, something that. I think we've talked about very briefly, but just jumping on to another negative. The Rock and Farouk feud generally is pretty good, I feel, but it's been carried by the Rock, obviously. Yeah. Um, and up to the point that we've got to where it's like Farouk is just this sort of frustrated, pissed off older cousin that's just like, I really want to shut this little annoying guy up, but, <laughs> but he can't seem to. Yeah, um, it's been pretty well done, actually. But I really don't have any appetite to see Farouk and the Rock in in the ring. 
Yeah. Um, and we, we obviously get this. So so what we get is the Rock coming out after the first match and getting a bit of cheap heat off the crowd, which is quite funny. Mm-hmm. Um, Farouk takes this opportunity to come in and pile drive him and they try to break his neck in advance of their match later on down the card. The match itself is it's just kind of throw away. It's about, I don't know, I think it's five minutes long. It's, it's just, there's not really mm-hmm. much to it at all. Yeah. But the thing that got me the most is Slaughter. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going to struggle to get through this. So after <laughs> Farouk Pyle drives The Rock, we've got Doc Hendricks backstage and he's trying to talk to The Rock and he's got the members of the, the nation around him and he's got a, a neck brace on and Owens telling him to go away and all this and Hendrix is trying to say Commissioner Slaughter is saying if you don't appear for your match then you get stripped um, that message doesn't get through and The Rock doesn't come out for their match against Farouk so Slaughter comes down looking resplendent in this beautiful turquoise um, what do you call it what, what do you call it with a uh, yeah, He's looking very smart <laughs> I bet you didn't know that um, Sergeant Slaughter can count to ten. Oh, this, this was horrible. And he, he also said. So before that, he said, "If you don't to the rock, if you don't come out by the count of ten, I will, <laughs> I will represent Mister Farouk <laughs> and award him <laughs> the Intercontinental Title." What does he mean? Yeah, so uh, it will represent him. Why is he yeah. calling Mister Farouk? So yeah, I put in my notes. Out comes Slaughter. He can't count to ten. He can't even speak. This is terrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Oh, that's terrible. He yeah. gets lost counting to ten. I take it the crowd put him off because they're going faster <laughs> than him. And he gets lost. Yeah. Oh dear, it's terrible. It's bad. Like this this whole thing. Like we we spoke earlier about and we've spoke a few times about the fact that we, we kind of already feel like the rocks moved on mm-hmm. beyond a Farouk level. Yeah. And it's not to be disrespectful to Farouk, who has ended up in a bit of a difficult position because I think things probably happened quicker than were ever intended to. The nation was originally supposed to be a vehicle for him and it became quite clear early on he's not the star in it. And they kind of, I think, have to do like a blow-off of where they got to, but it feels like they dragged it on unnecessarily long. Like You have the rock beat him and then you just move on because nobody... Is wanting to see this anymore? No, people. I said to you in text, people are booing Farouk when he was coming out. Yeah. For this match, it's not like it, it is a good feud, but it's not. I don't know. It's just people are no interest in seeing Farouk versus Rock. I don't think. Nah. And, and, and he's had really good matches with Shamrock. Um, it's just been with Shamrock, hasn't it? Pretty much. Yeah. That that's one of the things that stood out to me is that the the matches and the chemistry were so good between him and Shamrock. And the the crowd would have, I think, been happy to see more of that. Mm-hmm. But the, the they're just not there for this. It's it's not it's not grabbing anyone. 
So I, I definitely had gone. I was laughing so much, so much in slaughter. <laughs> and he said, "I will represent Mr. Farouk." Does it mean I will present him? I think so. Yeah. Or does it mean that he will? Oh, never mind. I, I think he means present him. <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah. Funny. Um, yeah. Well, I was a little. I was quite looking forward to DX v the Nation, but I have to admit, it's, it it went really long. I got bored watching yeah, it. Yeah, it it wasn't as good as I hoped it would be, and I think you know I think they picked this up on the um, the raw after, but it's missing the element of the rock. Mm-hmm, absolutely, hundred um, percent. And when you've got when you add the rock in. And you've got the, you kind of know that the, the leaders are Triple H and The Rock. So you've got that element and then you've got everything that goes alongside that. And Owen, you know, also with his issues with Triple H and things like that, mm-hmm. I just think you, you need that star on the other side. Um, the, Dilo's a, a great worker. Owen's a brilliant worker. Um, you know, there's, there's very talented guys on the other side, but it's just lacking that, that star at the top. Aye. Aye. Totally. I, I liked um, I, I liked Dilo in this match. He was doing some really good stuff, mm-hmm. and I, I wrote a player like this down at this point in time. Same thing every time. But Billy Gunn's just amazing to watch mm-hmm. in the ring. He's an unbelievable yeah. athlete. But I don't know if they were filling in time or something like that. But this just felt like it went on and on and on yeah. for far too long. Yeah, yeah, it did a bit. There's disappointing. I there was say. a weird thing that Jr. said during that match. The boys, he's referring to Kama, the boys in the back call him the Godfather. Yeah. <laughs> That's really weird, eh? Because obviously this is before uh-huh. Godfather. And I, it had me thinking, does that mean they're about to change his name? Or does that mean, or is he, I mean, maybe he was referred to that in the back and he's just said it for whatever reason and they've heard it and thought, hmm, that fits a bit better. We'll, we'll we'll go with that. Are we saying he's a real? He's actually a real life pimp on the side. Well, not quite yet. He will be soon. I think so, I think some of the whole train were helping um, Mad Dog with Sean down the, <laughs> down the ring. Oh. <laughs> but oh I, I, do you know if it's before or after that match on the on the on Raw that um, they had all that? Stuff with DX and the Nation with uh, that Jason Sensation being on heart. Oh, I'm not sure. Um, because I, I'm not sure it's on the network now. I think it might ah, be I think gone. It's been taken off, aye. Uh, but yeah, it, it's probably right around this time. So it was, I, I expect either the week before or the following week. That guy um, is brilliant. Yeah. He's a professional <laughs> heart. Yeah. amazing. Yeah, it is. I, I can see why it's been. Taken down, but it, it was a really entertaining segment. Uh, it's unfortunate, yeah, that um, X Pac decided to do that. I don't know who yeah. else. Triple H, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think who was it. Cause I, the main ones that stick out in my mind are, um, oh, it's uh, Road Dog is uh, Dilo because he does the head bobble oh, right. and all that. Oh, that's right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, I've, I've looked up before just on YouTube at Jason Sensation doing doing all that. It's so funny. Yeah, he's he's talented. I mean, he's very very good at that. I think he did commentary or something like that for a while. Right. Um, bye. I uh, disappointed um, by that match. Definitely. Can we take a pause? 
Sure. That is the truck just pulling up with the shop in just now. Of course. Right. Okay, don't we're back. Adam's shopping is safely secured. I hope. <laughs> yep. Um, all good. We were. T- I think we were talking about uh, Kama Mustafa being a real life pimp. Um, yeah. For legal reasons, we have to say that we don't think he was definitely. Although I've just watched. So we were talking about Jason Sensation. And I've been watching YouTube clips of Jason Sensation whilst Adam is putting his shopping away. And I don't know when this is. The Rock's got the Intercontinental title belt. It, it, was he, IC, he was IC champ at this pay-per-view, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, at this point in time, Kama is now wearing a black hat and glasses and he talks about being a pimp. So maybe they transition him quite quickly from this point. Yeah, I think it must be, because I always remember The Godfather was a thing in the nation, and then they really ran with it when <laughs> the nation kind of split up. Try to think. WrestleMania 2000 is the iced tea. Pippin ain't easy, y'all, isn't it? Yeah. I try, try to think for WrestleMania 15 if it was The Godfather, but I can't remember him being on the card. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't want to talk about I don't want to talk about Kai and Tai versus Bradshaw and uh, Takamichi no Cooper. What I, I just want to mention one thing. You know how JR refers to people as a hoss? Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, and, and that match, he refers to Bradshaw as a horse. <laughs> he says, <laughs> God, Bradshaw's a horse. <laughs> I thought, I was confused because I thought it was Batista that was famously hmm. the, the horse. Uh, um, yeah. Probably best not dwell on that too okay. much. Okay. Also the same match that Big Dick Tog was in as well, which I liked. Yeah, that's that's quite a name. That one um, jumped out at me. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think we're still probably on negatives, um, and rightly so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know you're going to have negatives about Kane and Vader. I, I enjoyed it, but I know that you're going to have negatives about it. Um, I, I didn't hate it. The the thing... See, at the end of the match... <laughs> and, and, and after the match, I want you to say that you're a big, fat piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> now, if I'd thought for a second that this was in any way his decision or what he wanted to say, I wouldn't have a big issue with it. But this is a guy who is, you know, hugely respected in uh, Japan. He's been huge in WCW. And uh, it just wants him to call himself a big fat piece of shit. Um, yeah, I just thought that was a bit much. So, I. The, I, I was watching it, I was like, did he just... Because I'd never seen that before. I was like, did he just say that? Because he was like, I'm so, I'm so big. And he's saying all that sort of stuff. And like, Obviously, he's been told to say it. And I know that they've been trying to get him to lose weight, haven't they? Yeah, I, I think that there was a, a feeling he was overweight. And uh, I think they... You know, they'd had their issues in the past with people like Yokozuna and I think they didn't want it to get out of hand. And basically, I think he maybe got benched for a little while, taken off TV um, to try and sort himself out a bit. 
and then he's come back and I, I don't think he really has. I don't think he's he's dropped the weight. Um he's he's always been in roundabout of of what we've been watching, so this will be five months worth we've been watching now. He's mm-hmm. always been there or thereabouts as far as sort of like the next level down from the top of the car. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. I don't know if it's it's one of those where yeah, he's fine, but they, they thought he could and should be more. Because, mm. um, you know, he'd, he'd been at the top everywhere else that he'd been. And I think, you know, he'd had his situation with Shawn Michaels where Michaels had a go at him audibly in the ring for a, a missed spot. And I think he was supposed to have more matches with Michaels, but then that didn't happen. And that probably, when it's someone of that standing in the company, that's that's going to probably stop you from getting there again hmm it's a shame I thought him and Kane we've, we've watched these two did we, have we watched these two before Kane yeah I think they've had they've had a match before um, and he think got involved this... in, he got involved after the uh, Inferno match Vader didn't he yeah because uh, we'd previously seen Kane did he not hit him with a massive comedy <laughs> wrench or something like that <laughs> which got pulled out again in this match yeah, um, although I, th- I, th- I, th- I can't really remember what I thought of that previous match, but I think I thought this match was better. Aye, I remember you had issues with that match. Yeah, I, li- I quite liked this match. I thought it did seem that the crowd were not that into it, to be fair. And mm. I mean, like a mask versus mask match, the, the stakes aren't that high when you can see 70% of the guy's face <laughs> and you know what he looks like. It's an odd one. I did, yeah. I did like Paul Bearer wearing it and him throwing up the Vaders and signs and all that sort of stuff. That was quite <laughs> quite good heel work, I thought. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they did. I mean, I think the whole purpose of this whole programme is to, be put, to put over Kane as almost unstoppable. Mm-hmm. Um, and having a match with another monster type guy does that. Um, but this one... I felt like they they let Vader get quite a lot in, mm-hmm. um, and it was more the case that uh, I watched Halloween fairly recently. But it's like the you know the bad guy just won't die. Just Michael Myers just back. won't die, yep. and Kane is kind of playing that. It just keeps coming back, um, and I think that that's all good for the build of Kane because based on what happens on Raw after this. Um, we we know what I think it's Kane v Undertaker for number one contender, mm-hmm. um, and if he's going to be being pushed to that level, I think it's a a good guy to give him a win over. Aye, aye, totally. And, and he's throwing him about as you know, like he's choke slamming him, slamming him. He mm-hmm. body slams him. The tomb. I always find the tombstone impressive when he does it on a big guy like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I wrote in my notes um, that it's really impressive that it seemed to be totally controlled. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, you know, we've seen some moves where it's a particularly big guy that's being picked up and it doesn't seem so controlled. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a shame. I'm not sure where Vader goes from here. I'm fairly sure he takes time off telly now and then. Right. Essentially done. I think I think he maybe comes back and he's a bit just kind of does, does a job a few times and that's him. Mm-hmm. It's it's a shame because I, I don't imagine. I think in terms of you know being at a top company, I imagine this is it for him completely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember him resurfacing in WCW or anything like that. No. 
So, um, yeah, this is probably the end of the run. He's, he's been, you know, it's been a long run for him and he was on top for, for quite big chunks of it. Yeah. Just never I, really here. I was talking about a match that he had with Foley at, in WCW. It says it was Halloween Havoc. It's 1993. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'd say it was 96 or something like that last episode. But uh, it's a brilliant match. Mm-hmm. Halloween Havoc, 93. The bumps that Foley takes in that match are ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that pretty much leaves us with the main event to chat through, I think. Yeah. Unless you um, want to go deep on Jeff Jarrett versus Steve Blackman. I I I hate this Jeff Jarrett. It, it's <laughs> do you know I don't I don't even blame him. I think the fact that they brought him in under this NWA umbrella and it's so old and dated feeling. And I think if they just had him separate from that. I maybe wouldn't associate him with just me being bored. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they are maybe moving away from the NWA thing by, oh, by oh, now. Oh, you think so, do you? Oh, no. Is that what you, is that what you think? <laughs> oh, no. Let me just take a little look at King of the Ring. Oh, no. 1998, the mid... The, the, I keep calling them that. The New Age Outlaws against the oh. Midnight Express, Bodacious oh. Bar and Bombastic Bob with Jim Cornett. Why? Okay. So I've uh, I've a bit longer to put up with this. But yeah, they've obviously distanced distanced uh, Jarrett fit. Yeah. Um, although I think he was he came in as their sort of NWA champion, didn't he? But they did. They also had Blackman the horse in there as well. So who knows? <laughs> I, I I remember Jarrett and Blackman having a bit of a thing at that previous pay per view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Aye. It's just kind of like filler, isn't it? Yeah. Let's talk about the uh, let's talk about the main event because for me, yeah. it's, it's the best match that we've watched. I think in nineteen ninety eight. I cannot think back of a better one. I enjoyed Undertaker Michaels. Um, try to think WrestleMania fourteen. If there's been any, do, do you remember WrestleMania fourteen? Shamrock Rock. I've put on some good matches. Yeah. But this just felt at a, just a completely different level. It's chaotic. It's wild. There's um, everything going on. It's non-stop. There's blood. There's bumps. It's just amazing. Yeah, it's very good. And do you know what? I actually had a fear that it wouldn't be because of everything they've set up. Mm-hmm. So... They've they've got McMahon as the ref. They've got Briscoe and Patterson there. Uh, you know, in one way or another, they're there. So I'm actually going into it expecting some WCW style nonsense, and the nonsense is there. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's logical nonsense. If yeah, you know what it, I mean? it works. Mm-hmm. It, it it works. You've got um, but the, the I think the first thing that comes up is the the reminder that this is an ODQ match, <laughs> and and you've got Jr. just infuriated. He's livid. He's like he's you know he knows what what we know watching that they've changed that on the spot, but he's he's making sure you know that that's been changed on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it it could have gone massively wrong because of all this this kind of stuff that's Anakin. in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, I, I don't know, it works. And I, I'm a bit, um, I don't know why I'm still surprised when I see it, but it's almost like you can't fail with Austin mm-hmm. because 
the crowd reactions are ridiculous. All he has to do is walk out. And I, I don't think in WWE, and there have been some good performers over recent years, you know, Roman Reigns is doing, or when I was last watching, was doing a great job, but nobody's getting anything like the buy-in from a crowd. And I don't remember when somebody last did. It's funny because you can, you can never properly understand what the crowd reaction is like, but you can hear it. And then the commentators go to speak and they're, they're proper shouting and, and you're still, mm-hmm. they're still a bit muted because of the yeah. crowd reaction. It's amazing. Um, do you know who, like, I love this match. I think it's brilliant. Austin and Foley are amazing. But for me, the best thing about it is Vince. Yeah. Sometimes I, I sometimes I find him too over the top with his reactions to things and that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got him as a special guest referee, and we've we've had Jr. making little references throughout the pay per view of who's gonna who's gonna ensure that McMahon's on the straight and narrow as far as the ref, and that's never really answered until all the competitors are in the ring, and then the lights go out, and Undertaker music hits. Um, and just throughout the match, Undertaker's playing this. He plays this role absolutely perfectly in that he's subtly in the corner of the screen almost mm-hmm. all the time. And just every now and then, Vince is turning around and looking at him and looking terrified of him, but not like, you know, like not cartoony terrified, but legitimately like, oh shit, he's here. I need to behave, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, all the little. You know, like Vince looks disgusted at Austin whenever the camera's on him and he's looking at him. It looks really legitimate. Mm-hmm. I think he's amazing in it. He, he plays it really well because, like you touched on, sometimes he goes way over the top, and his his reactions almost seem to build up as this is going rather than just an immediate over the top. <laughs> exactly. Um, and he looks like when Undertaker comes out. He has a look of concern and he's not, it's almost like he's trying not to sell it. He's trying to be like, okay, wasn't planning for this, but okay, I can still make sure this goes the way I want it to go, but I need to be a bit concerned by this guy being there. Um, and it, I don't know if you watched the, uh, the Undertaker promo from the Raw the night after. No. So it, it kind of rounds the story out quite nicely. Um, he basically what what I quite liked is at the start of the show, uh, LOD and DOA are like brawling by the entrance to the building, and Undertaker comes and just destroys them all. Um, basically jobs them all out, which <laughs> needed to be done. But he he goes to the ring, takes a microphone, and talks about how pissed off he is with Vince, and what he's saying is he's been the loyal soldier. He's been yes. there. He has. Uh, never left, unlike all the other stars that Vince McMahon tried to push in front of him and That's stuff right. like that. I remember this. I didn't watch it. I remember this. Though. Yeah. And it, it, it rounds out the story really nicely because at the time, you know, I think, I think we always knew or you always got the stories of he's real life. He's like the locker room leader mm-hmm. and all that. Um, and he apparently was one of the first to be banging on Vince's door when the screw job happened and things like that. Uh, demanding an explanation as to why. So from that point of view, in this role, he's very realistic. Um, 
but I felt like the promo the next night just really pulled things together from why he's so annoyed because he's not getting the title shot. Why is he not getting the title shot? He's the guy that stayed. He's the guy that helped Your him. other guys have run off to other yeah. companies and all that. Uh, yeah. That's right. So, yeah, I thought I thought that rounded it out, out really nicely, actually. I like that. And there's that, uh, after the match, there's that kind of grudging respect between, you know, the look between Austin and Undertaker, you're, all, you're kind of waiting for the nod to come, and it never does. They just kind of stare each other down. Yeah, um, which I liked as well. Um, but but that that actual match, there's a, there's a lot to sort of unpack as far as what all goes on. But um, some of the bumps that the Foley takes in this match is unbelievable. Yeah, there's a, there's a spot where Austin sits him up on the guardrail. And just takes his head off, close lines him, and he he lands his smacks his head in the concrete. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. Jr. Is, who's obviously really close to it, is selling it like a maniac as well, which I think adds to it as well. You know, yeah. like it's not getting thrown off the top of the cell, but the way Jr. is talking about it is just it really sells it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I thought thought the exact same that. Yeah, I wrote down a few of the bumps fully to that. That was the first one. I wondered. You know where where we are now today because it looked like his head just hit the, the oh, ground on the on the fall, and you've got to think that the rest of this match may not have taken place today. Mm. Um, but there's there's one where the, there there's like cars yeah. there uh, down the sort of entrance way, um, and where is it that I've got this? Yeah, so dude love with a sunset flip from the top of the car for a two count. And I'm just looking at the the, the concrete around and things like that and thinking this is that's just dangerous. It's really dangerous. What is he that was crazy. They didn't even really talk that up on, on uh, the commentary either. Yeah. Austin takes a back body drop onto the bonnet of a car as well. Mm-hmm. Which is a hell of a Yeah. Uh, but it it all the, there's some pretty dangerous stuff in there, and it kind of built gradually. And there weren't; it wasn't like one horribly dangerous spot after another mm-hmm. after another. There was there was a bit of space between them, but uh, yeah, there are a few things in there that I, I don't know. I always thought, dude, love. I think he'd always said his his intention was to get out of the business as young as he could and do whatever he had to do to make the money he needed to to, to then be you know, secure moving forward. But it's amazing he wasn't out of the business a lot earlier than he was. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Going back to what, what were you saying? Oh, you were you were talking about um, Vince's build-up of emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he gets to that point where I, w- I would say Dude Love's dominated most of the match. Um, but he just kind of put Austin away. And mm-hmm. eventually we get to the point where Austin... Starts to take over, and it, does does he does he level him with a chair? Yeah, and Austin's going to cover him, and and Vince just it's just like he's got to the end of his tether, and he just <laughs> he's not interested. He's not going to pin him. Yeah, uh, his facials are brilliant, and he's just looking at him like he's just so annoyed. He refuses to count for him, <laughs> and then it's at that point I think where uh, he's given Austin the double. Fingers and Austin moves it away, and Foley comes flying in and cracks Vince yeah. with the most ridiculous chair shot. 
that's it's two of them in just a couple of months. Exactly. Yeah, that was that last pay per view. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my notes for that: Austin ducks, McMahon takes the chair shot again. Stop doing that. It, <laughs> there's oh, it, it's horrible and the sound and everything. Yeah, don't like it. I mean, it it plays well into what's going on, but oh, it's it's too big a chair shot. Mm-hmm. And the way that Vince like Vince actually falls on top of Austin, which mm-hmm. proper sells it to the point where you're like, is he gen- is he is he out? Yeah, yeah. Um, and for that point, we get Austin. Is it Austin? Yes. Uh, yes, we got Austin pinning Dude Love, but obviously Vince is KO'd, so Mike Kyoto comes flying out, starts making the pin, and uh, Patterson pulls him out yeah. and levels him. So, this is my favourite part of the match. I think I knew this was coming as well, and I was still <laughs> like, oh my God. Uh, Undertaker grabs. Pat Patterson and choke slams him through the commentary table. It's unbelievable. What a bump to take. Yeah. So then, um, what's his name? Mr. McMahon. Briscoe. Briscoe gets in the ring and tries to go for the three count, and just the same thing happens to him. He goes to the, yep. the Spanish the Spanish announce table. Yeah, these old guys know how to take a bump. Aye. Both of them are, you know, <laughs> the, none of this sort of just lying on the Lying on the table and like that. What's his name? Uh, Patterson goes flying in there. Uh, I quite like the fact. Uh, now we've talked about the the interference and all that, but it's it's not Austin directly having to deal with all this because this guy who just wants everything to be called fair is cleaning that up himself mm-hmm. on the outside. He's he's taking care of it and just kind of allowing the match to continue whatever whatever may happen in the ring. And this is kind of like, you know, like if we're thinking about WCW and the issues with that Bret Hart Savage match, this is almost like the role you want Piper playing with mm-hmm. NWO interference rather than being the guest referee and yeah, and he him being the one that's uh, having stuff done to him. Yeah. So this is it done, done correct, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I want to say that this is the second. This is the second time. That we've seen Austin count the one, two, three for himself. I think so. Yeah. This so this time he, he does he use McMahon's hand. Uh, yeah. Is he still KO'd? Whereas the first time I think he just basically does the count himself mm-hmm. with his own hand. But yeah, it's um, <laughs> you, you have to slightly debate the integrity of it, but um, yeah. Uh, I think before this, you remember when we were first sort of having a look at what's ahead and I was like, right, Austin's got the belt, but kind of what's next? Mm. And when I realised it's it's Dude Love, I, it didn't grab me. I didn't think, oh, you can get several events out of this. Mm. Um, I, I think I thought, surely that's more like a one and done type situation. But I thought this was the best stuff they did, and I think this is pretty much the end of this this rivalry. Yeah, um, he he jumps back to mankind, mm-hmm. obviously in advance of next month. Yeah, um, but I thought it, you know, for a feud, it went out on a real high, and I'm not saying it doesn't really matter who Austin's up against. It it does, um, and he's a very good worker, Mick Foley, and you know. 
takes all the bumps, all the risks and all that. He's a good worker. He's He's been good characters over the years, but I think they maybe got the timing of this right because I wouldn't have wanted to see it go on for another mm. pay-per-view. I, th- I think it was done. And I, th- I think Dude Love maybe doesn't really have anywhere to go from here, but luckily he has other characters, other characters. To, to fall back on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, I think, a, a sort of, a little bit of a pleasant surprise how entertaining this was. Um, just with the fact that I'm going into it a little bit thinking not only all the outside inevitable stuff, but also that I've, I've seen Austin and Dude Love. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done with it before I went into this. Um, but this signed it off better than the last one would have. Yeah. No, I totally agree. It's amazing to think Foley. Foley's essentially Austin's this new champion. Foley has helped to ascend him, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, he did the same for The Rock. Yeah. And, you know, in 99, and he did the same for Triple H in 2000, where yeah. feud when he was Cactus Jack. Um, it's crazy to think. And, and then you think further forward, I think he did similar with Edge. Yeah. Um, with the whole WrestleMania, Table on Fire. Stuff. Yeah, um, it's crazy to think the impact that he's had that's probably quite underrated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think even before that, he he's been considered a, a bit of a, a star maker for Shawn Michaels, and not to say that Michaels needed it, but I think it made people believe Michaels was tough mm-hmm. as well as you know being the the cocky, good in ring performer. He he could. You know, he could hang in there with somebody when it got pretty brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar to what happened with Triple H, I think. But Triple H hadn't got there yet, and that that was helping him on the way. But yeah, he's he's been a little bit of a kind of a star maker yeah. at times. Um, certainly helping them once they're already on the track to to move up that bit. Probably to his own detriment, certainly as far as the Rock's concerned. Anyway. Um, <laughs> But then saying that, like you go forward and the rock and sock stuff and all that is <laughs> quite a big part of both their characters as well. Yeah. Um, I was looking to see when Beyond the Map was, because I wondered if that was 98, but of course it's got all those, the, the Royal Rumble 99 headshot stuff, so it's, it's 1999. Okay. Um, which is a shame. I thought we could have maybe slotted it in here, but yeah, for another yeah, time, not, obviously. Not seen that for a while. Nah, I mean, yeah. Is it, you, you'll know. You'll not forget the scene with Draws, though. Oh, no, that was, that was a thing. Jr. said that to his, his friends. Call him puke. King, <laughs> King was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, this just uh, Jr. giving away future names all over the place. That's yeah. it. <laughs> his friends. Do you mean Vince called him puke? <laughs> so, ah, so there we go. That's just done. Two pay-per-views in the in the space of an hour and a half. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I thought it was it was quite a good way of looking at it. You know, I, I think in one way or another we've covered or mentioned everything that's on the show. Um, even if it was just laughing a wee bit about the name Dick to Go and things like that. Um, I never even thought about it like Dick to Go. But yeah... Uh, I think um, if we're ever going to get through this year, that that might be a a format we we might look at again. Okay, that's I'm delighted to hear you say that because 
Yeah, like I think I said to you before we started recording, I, I think we've probably, you look forward, you think King of the Ring 98, you think Hell in a Cell. Um, yeah, you think, oh, that'd be a, that'd be a brilliant pay-per-view to do, but then you look at the, the rest of the card, I think the first match is a Headbangers versus somebody. Yeah. Um, and the WCW card, let me just... The, um, okay, here we go. We've got WCW Great American Bash. We've got, it looks like we've got Booker Benoit, their best of seven series finale. We've got Jericho v. Malenko again. Uh, Saturn versus Canyon. Perry Saturn versus Chris Canyon. Okay. Juventud versus Reese. Big Reese. Uh, Chavo v. Eddie. Uh, Conan versus Goldberg. Oh my. <laughs> Hollywood Hogan and Bret Hart versus Match Man and Roddy Piper. And mm. the Giant versus Sting to decide who gets to control the WCW Tag Team Championships. Okay. Let's go for a double up, will we? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> uh, what, what, what was your views on the King of the Ring tournament generally as a, as a, as a sort of pay-per-view event? I think when it, it first became a thing, uh, I was interested. You know, they, they had uh, Bret Hart win the first one and I think it was like to be a almost like a consolation prize for the fact he, he'd been champion and then was a little bit out of the title picture, mm. I think, at, at, at this point. When was that? Was that 92, 93? I think it's around then. Um, and I remember when it, it used to be a part of the path people took to, to getting to the top. So you had uh, Austin win it, uh, you had Triple H win it, and it, it, it was like a, a stepping stone type uh, thing. It's almost like your money in the bank now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure what the point of it is supposed to be now or beyond that. Um, you had a lot of guys go on to win it, and then it, it didn't really launch them. Um, uh, I think... Gun. Yeah, Billy Billy Gunn is is probably the the standout obvious one. Um, I think did Mabel or B- Big Daddy V did he win it yeah, once? Yeah, King Mabel. Yeah, he he must be early doors. It's ninety three it started. I, I want to say he was like ninety four maybe. Right. Um, I get it. So I I definitely got it as a star making thing. But like now, who did I read win it last week? Is it, is it Xavier Woods? One, I think. Um. What what are they going to do? What's it going to launch them to? And I, I kind of suspect nothing. Uh, I and think so as well. It makes me wonder what what the point of it is now. And I don't, they don't do it pay per view anymore, do they? It's like on the TV shows. Yeah, and I think it was on whatever it is that they do, Saudi Arabia, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I like. Um, I've always liked tournaments. You know, like the. When you've had title tournaments, um, and I can understand the purpose when it's a title tournament or a number one contender tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I think things like the Royal Rumble became so much more when winning it got you the title shot. It's just the, the, the nagging thing in my head nowadays is what, what does it mean? What does it get you? Where, yeah. where does it get you to? And it, well, yeah, like you had people like Booker T who, I don't think I was watching wrestling at that time, 2006, but he oh. won it and sort of ran with it as far as the whole, like, yeah. Booker angle was concerned. Yeah, they, they had his uh, his wife, Queen Charmel, constantly saying, 
all hail King Booker. And it was brilliant. <laughs> it was really, really funny. Uh, but he, they were feuding with the Boogeyman. I think there was a bit of Boogeyman in there. I've got a feeling there was also a bit of maybe Batista in there as nice. well. But it, it was... He really grabbed it and made it something a bit like what uh, Savage did, you know, before it had become the pay-per-view thing. And he uh, he was uh, Macho King, Randy Savage. And yeah. it was like an, an untelevised thing previously. I think it was like a house show tournament. Um, but I think if, if you're going to have it as something like that, that the guy who gets it needs to make something of it. Uh, I think young me used to think it was a cool thing, but I think I'm probably just thinking back to to Bret Hart, probably. Hmm. Just look at the previous winners. Owen Hart won it in 1984. King of Hearts. Yeah, Owen Owen made quite a big deal of it as well. Hmm. And, uh, I, I liked Owen in that role. Kurt Angle won it. Edge. Brock Lesnar. Edge won like a sort of Stanley Cup style trophy or something like that, didn't he? Remember yeah. Remember going about it? Yeah. I will. We'll, we'll do that and we'll do Great American Bash. Uh, and that'll take us into... July, I think. That'll be aye. That this this aye. That'll take us into July. Cool. Oh, At least we'll feel like we've we've gone past halfway. That'll be good. Exactly. We can celebrate. <laughs> uh, heading towards. We keep saying it. Heading towards that Survivor Series, nineteen eighty eight. Yeah. Yeah. I, I look forward to getting there. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that was good. I enjoyed that. What What would you say was a better pay per view? Difficult to say, actually. Yeah, I, th- I think there was more good stuff on the WCW show, but Austin just kind of... Uh, it's, it's just what Austin was at that point, just makes a show, and it, it elevated it just a little bit above for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit... Uh, the the pay-per-view is a bit like a boxing pay-per-view mm-hmm. at this point in time where you could fast-forward through to the the main event and, and yeah. still be pretty satisfied with what you've seen whereas with WCW you would be not satisfied yeah just watch the the first hour and a half hoping for something good and then switch it off before <laughs> the main event just try and just make up a random swear and you play <laughs> I think that's what they did uh, makes me question how it didn't work when uh, Vince Russo went there because there's already swerves all over the place <laughs> very true <laughs> I, was, I was watching a video about uh, Bret Hart's WCW career um, just before we came on, actually. And they were saying that when Russo got there, one of the good things he did was start pushing Hart. Hart never won the title until Russo got there. Right. So mm. it's not all bad. So yeah. Just yeah. everything else that he did. People, Judy Bagwell on the pole and all that. Yeah. I don't think anyone ever doubts he had good ideas, but not all his ideas were good ideas. I, I think John, Jim Cornette might say they didn't have any good ideas. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they're, they're not too friendly, are they? No, he refers to him as shit stain. <laughs> thing is, that if, if you've got both of them, there's probably a happy medium you can get to. Um, it's very true. When as, it's as that NWA stuff would. Yeah. Suggest. Yeah, when it's one extreme or the other, it's, it, it kind of loses it a little bit. Yeah. Oh, well, excellent. Thank you, Adam. Um, no we'll be back for episode 24, where we will take on June of 1998. Cool. Um, hit us up on Instagram at Outlaws Pod if you are a horse.
like Bradshaw. <laughs> Until then, I'll see you for episode 24. Take it easy, Adam. Cheers. <laughs>